When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. James Regan is uh, part of the panel this morning, as is Hamish Bidwell. Hamish, a uh, very experienced uh, sports writer over the years, focusing on uh, a lot of uh, particular sports, Hamish, uh, including cricket. And uh, Hamish, starting on a sad note today because uh, one of your co-cricket writers over the years, um, very highly respected journalist, um, David Leggett, passing away. Uh, just recently uh, on holiday with his family um, on the other side of the world, which is uh, dreadfully um, dreadfully sad. I, I'm very sad about it. I, I, I really liked him uh, as a person. I liked having a beer with him. Uh, he could write some pointed things about you, but at the end of the day, um, you know, you, you, you kind of understood why. Um, and for me, Hamish, a very, very sad loss at the only the age of 64 of David Leggett. Yeah, I, I, I uh, knew David most of my life. Um, he was a colleague of my father's, and uh, I saw him socially at that age. Um, I played things like indoor cricket and outdoor cricket with him. He was a great cricket enthusiast. And then when I got into the profession, he was an idol of mine, and touring with him was an absolute pleasure and an education. Sharing press box was the same. Um, I, you know, I won't lie, we, we duck out together for a, a cheeky cigarette from time to time and debate the day's play, He'd tell me great yarns. He was amazing dinner company. Um, he had this amazing tale of when he was ghosting a column for Imran Khan and bumped in, popped into his room to say good day and, and make sure the copy was fine and we'd get him to tell that over a few beers and he just was a, a genuine raconteur, a genuine lover of the game, someone who uh, thought for himself, um, asked good questions, wasn't terribly hard on people, never confrontational, but but always a clear thinker, always holding people to account. A beautiful writer, a beautiful man. Um, my father actually texted me the other night to say that he'd heard that David had, had died and I had to get in touch with some colleagues and friends. And it's been a sad time because he was someone that we absolutely looked up to. I can't think of anyone more respected and more liked in the industry than David was. No, I, I'm with you. Um, as I said, uh, you know, when you're on the receiving end of articles from time to time as a player or even as a commentator as such, um, you, you can hold a grudge. You, you can tend to be a bit bitter with people for a long period of time. But with David Leggett, if you were, it was not for long um, because he was very fair and he know, you'd know that when you had a good day, he would, um, he would acknowledge that as well. He was that kind of man. And, and I don't think, uh, if I can uh, recall my time, um, as a player, I don't, I don't uh, remember too many players having um, too many grudges to bear with David Leggett, more so a number of players that were prepared to have a beer with him 
when he'd he'd had his uh, he'd filed his copy and had his day done, which was usually quite late at night. So, um, so Lego was just a cool guy, a really cool guy. Uh, James, let's um, change tack a wee bit, if we can, please. Uh, I'm still not over uh, the All Blacks. I did, I did a bit of a sermon this morning, James, on the fact that are we tough enough anymore? Have we actually got the cattle? Um, aside from the coaching aspect of it, the leadership side of it, have we actually got the hard men that have uh, the equivalent of those that have been bullying us in the last six to seven months, James? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's just one of the many questions that's coming up and, and continues to come up um, about this about this team because you would have thought that with you know a lot on the line they would have showed probably much more than they did. Um, last weekend, they were just so they were so far off where the Springboks were, and the Springboks looked pretty good, but you just felt they had probably another gear to go up as well. So, other, other players there looked that I, I said it last week. These are good players. Like they, these are good players. Um, Bowden Barrett, Artie Savia, Aaron Smith, still Will Jordan. Although you'd love to see him at fullback, but these are good rugby players. Um, there's just something missing from this team. Um, whether it's on the field or off the field, I'm not sure, but there's something missing. And last week showed they are, they're so far off the pace um, and they're, they're going to need something really special to not get really turned over this week at Ellis Park. Hamish, for, for me, we, we, we just don't look hard enough. I mean, we keep saying it week after week, but have we, have we got those hard men? Are we breeding them anymore? No, I, I heard your sermon and I actually wrote something for Rugby Pass along the same lines. Um, no, I thought I thought the defeat in Bombella was the most sobering of the run that we've had in the, in the sense that the All Blacks are entirely impotent and it doesn't really matter who they pick at tight head prop. It doesn't really matter who the coach is. It doesn't matter what they do in various other parts of the field. They aren't physically able to match uh, the better teams, whether it's scrum time, whether it's over the ball at the breakdown, um, they just cannot generate any momentum. It doesn't matter whether your average your backline is. It comes down to forwards, and we have we've done that down. We have gone for athletes over uh, you know real genuine rugby players. We've we've favoured the brilliant and the exciting over the stuff that actually wins Test match rugby. Now the laws may change. We're in a cycle now where as rugby's constituted, we can't compete. And I don't hold Angus Taval responsible or Nepal Olala and Offatumapasi when they were there. They're just simply not capable of matching it. And I think we've got all our thinking wrong. We wouldn't pick Trevin Yakani. We wouldn't pick Franz Malherba to play super rugby because they're not athletic enough. They don't, they don't offer stuff around the park that we deem to be important. But when it comes to actual winning of test matches, the skills that those men have, the pressure they're able to exert on the All Blacks, the fact that they're able to generate a penalty from most scrums and then kick it for points like we don't possess that and it's not going to turn up whether Scott Robertson's the coach it's not going to turn up next week next month it's, it's, it, we, we've got a, a rebuilding process of years to confront here because if rugby stays the way it's been played now we cannot compete because we have valued all the wrong things totally agree absolutely well said and I, I, I agree with you and that's that's the worrying thing because um, that's what I got out of it James uh, at the weekend is the fact we, we might be a bit powerless to do anything about this for a while uh, until we can find some of those ruthless, hard-nailed, chiselled blokes who 
bounce people off rather than get bounced off themselves. And I, you know, the, the breeding ground for them is what we're experiencing now in the NPC. And 32 all and 36 26 and all these high powered score lines, they look great. I mean, wonderful stuff for the replays, etc. But they mean not much uh, when you get up against uh, men who don't want to play that way, James. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we've said before that other teams are catching up and, and at the moment in that area in particular with, with those that that particular kind of players, they're just streaking past us. And you can bet that South Africa will obviously be there come the World Cup. France and Ireland have shown they will. England will pull something out of the bag. The Wallabies uh, are on the up as well in terms of having that kind of player that you're speaking about. So... And, and you look around Super Rugby and, and those players that aren't in the All Blacks at the moment and you look around NPC and you, you kind of wonder whether where the next player like that is going to come from. Someone who's going to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and, and lead a team uh, into difficult positions or lead them out of difficult positions. Um, and you, you just don't see it. You just don't see it. And when that happens and you have to change tact, it comes down to coaching, it comes down to finding new ideas, and new ideas is something that we've seen over the past few weeks against Ireland and, and in that first test against South Africa that the All Blacks just don't have at the moment. They just don't have the ability to try something different or execute something that the opposition doesn't see coming because they get found out. So, it's, yeah, it's more than one area of the game that they're lacking, and that's the real concern because it'll start to become a mental thing soon as well if you don't don't get a good win or you don't pull something out of the bag, it starts to become a mental thing is we we can't win. Uh, and that's such a, a bizarre situation for an All Blacks team to be in because we've, we've hardly ever seen it before. James Regan and Hamish Bidwell are on the panel with us this morning. We shall take a quick news break with Araha and when we come back, uh, more to talk about across some other codes. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah. James Regan, Hamish Bidwell are our panellists this morning and uh, Hamish I know you're a little bit warm, a little bit tepid uh, about the Commonwealth Games as such but there was at the end of the day some pretty impressive performances uh, even uh, with the world's best uh, in a lot of areas not being there. Um, a success would you say overall? I, I didn't watch a second of it, I haven't read about it. Um, I'm aware that it's on and I'm aware that New Zealand's done very well but it hasn't, it hasn't captured my imagination clearly. And in fact, I haven't actually talked to anyone about it. Um, when you're in this racket, people come to you, oh, did you see this? Would you hear about that? What'd you make of this? I'm, I've had any of those in regards to the Commonwealth Games, to be fair. And if I could just go off on a small tangent, we were talking about the rugby before. I've coached a lot of junior rugby. I'm at games every Saturday. I've covered it at every level from Super 15, uh, from First 15 to All Blacks. And we have a fundamental flaw in our coaching where we give it to the big kid or the fast kid and we get them to do their best. Whether you're Bowden Barrett, can you dance through three guys and streak up the field? Rico Ioane, you're a great runner. Here's the ball, do your best. We actually have to have a really good think about how we coach rugby and the athletes we want to play it. And it's going to take years to fix because it goes right down from under 10s to the All Blacks. I think we play a fairly similar way. So... Sorry for going on that tangent. I wish I had more to offer about the Commonwealth Games, but I'm sure James has got plenty of good opinions. Well, actually, you raise a good point because actually we're coaching contact out of the game, aren't we? Well, to be fair, a lot of kids are shy of it. You know, the school my son goes to, 
um, the boys have reached intermediate age and they're playing football and hockey because they're frightened of rugby. And, you know, the kids do streak through the middle of defences because no one wants to touch them. They're frightened of them. And you're sort of getting a whole section of society who actually are flagging rugby away because they're, they're not able to compete physically with the other boys who are 12 and 13. You know, they're just so much bigger than them. And, you know, it, that's a really complicated issue and there are heaps of strands to it. But I think when it, I think it hurts us when we get to, to adult rugby because we don't have... It was the game for all New Zealand. We all remember Peter Bush's iconic book with all those photographs of the game from all levels. It's not the game for all New Zealand now. They're all a fairly similar athlete, everyone in a rugby team, and we don't have shapes and sizes and strengths and weaknesses like we did, and that's, that's a big issue for the game. They've got that book. It's a great book. Absolutely right. Great images. Uh, James Regan... Uh, Commonwealth Games for you, my old friend. Yeah, yeah, I've um, through through work had to to do a, a little bit on it, and it's been enjoyable. Um, you you do have to take it with a little bit of perspective that it isn't the Olympics, but not the you know the the USA's of this world, and everyone aren't there. Um, but you, in terms of the athletes, you can only play what's in front of you, and they've played it pretty well, especially in like our cyclists have just been amazing and the way the whole team has carried themselves and there have been a couple of disappointments um, but in terms of the spectacle that you want it to be and, and the measured expectations you have with the with the Commonwealth Games, it's been pretty good uh, and, and it's a platform to show Kiwis and New Zealanders what you can do with other sports aside from rugby and football and, and whatever. Um, that you know, if you want to be a track cyclist or a swimmer, there's a, a stage for you to go and perform, which I think is probably a little bit, a little bit of an oversight. When it, and it, the, you know, it always comes up about funding, but these sports need funding to attract uh, athletes. So it's been good. I, I've enjoyed it, and and well done to all the athletes that have medal because it, it's still it's still a tough road to get there. That's for sure. I wasn't here yesterday when the boys dissected the, the Warriors' performance, uh, James, but uh, what I hear this morning is uh, losing another player, this time uh, Eli Katoa, uh, leaving the Warriors to go to the Storm next season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that this isn't another case of a young Warriors player leaves the system and goes to a club like perfectly the Melbourne Storm and within a couple of years, he's a Dalian forward of the year. Um, Elias Gatoa is, is a good player with a lot of potential. He's probably been a victim of not having a good reserve-grade side to consistently be in and, and work his way up to NRL. He's kind of had to learn a lot about the game in the NRL, which is, which is hard for a player. There's no doubt about it. But you also do leave uh, and go on to have a, a really successful career. You have to ask questions, well... Why couldn't they have done that at the Warriors? Why wasn't the culture right for them? Why wasn't you know the group right for them? Or why wasn't the club right for them at all? So personally, for Elia, I hope he goes on and has a good career. But for the Warriors, you, you'd, you'd kind of be looking and holding your breath going, oh, you know, I hope we didn't let another one go, which they have done so many times in the past. And they're on about, you know, trying to rebuild the ranks and rebuild the junior system. Elia Katoa is one of those who's come up uh, through the club and you know all the best to him but from a Warriors point of view man hopefully it's, it's not a huge loss yep that'll be the one that bites them again I'm sure and um, 
in the years ahead, but uh, can't do much about it. He is gone. Um, one of the good stories about um, motor racing this year has been uh, the continued emergence of uh, our two guys overseas. Dixon's undoubted now. Of course, uh, Scott Dixon um, is, uh, is just setting records um, that will take a long time to be beaten. Uh, and Scott McLaughlin, of course, uh, second him on the podium at the weekend. At Nashville, um, I, I think this is pretty cool, Hamish. I, I've never confessed to being a big motor racing fan, but um, I, I'm taking a real interest in this side of it now. We grew up with it in my house because my father spent his childhood at places like Woodgram watching the NZ Grand Prix and people like Sterling Moss and Jack Brabham come over to New Zealand to race and say, I got my fair fill of it, and I'm delighted for, for McLaughlin. He's a wonderful ambassador for New Zealand. He's a huge loss to be at supercars, but just a tremendous personality, a tremendous talent, and for him to go over to the States and be this competitive this quickly is, is remarkable and, and testament to the man's talent and hard work. Dixon, is, Dixon doesn't get his due. It's one of those things where you're based overseas. We tend to sort of overlook your achievements at times, but he is a great New Zealand athlete, and... You know, points to go past AJ Foyt as the most successful driver in IndyCar history. And we, we hold Formula One up on a pedestal, and it's certainly got a worldwide appeal that perhaps Indy Racing doesn't have. But that shouldn't for a second diminish the achievement of Dixon, and certainly not the emergence of McLaughlin, who, um, who's a, a rare talent and, and a great ambassador for this country. Hamish Bidwell, James Regan, uh, from very... Uh Strong thoughts there on a number of issues. Um, we'll have another panel tomorrow morning. Thank you, gentlemen, for your time. Um, we'll be back uh, very shortly. It's 10.41 here on SENZ. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.